This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. I'm Paul Gallant and it is Tuesday, June 8th of 2021. Guys, I've got a question for you because obviously you heard the news yesterday. Mariners, hopefully someday, superstar, but right now, merely a prospect, Jared Kelnick was sent down from the majors to the minors. Not too long after I got off the air yesterday. And it's a massive bummer. I have this question for you. How much is Kelnick's demotion going to affect the Mariners' rebuild timeline? There were a variety of different ways to answer it, but I will answer how I feel about things right now. Kelnick, now back in Tacoma. Kyle Lewis getting a second opinion on his meniscus. We're not sure about the results. We're not sure when we're going to see him again this year. Evan White having the struggles that he had before he got injured. To me... The process of this rebuild, the actual steps forward, have hit a wall. And at the very least, for now, there is a pause button. That pause button makes me feel like the idea of the Mariners contending, being a serious playoff team next year, While it was probably far-fetched to begin with, it's even more far-fetched now. And that's the biggest bummer to me. Now let's go back to Kelnick. Gary Hill was on the station yesterday, and he thinks that for Kelnick, there are some reasons that his struggles were as pronounced as they were. The other thing to keep in mind uh, that I think is even different than any other years you want to compare it to is any young player, not just Kelnick, they're being dropped into a very difficult hitting environment. I think it's the most difficult since 1968. Uh, You look at the numbers and hitting is really, really hard. It's as hard as it's ever been. And hitting for a young guy is really hard. And you put that together and it's difficult. It's really difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. But at the same time, it's not going to change anytime soon. I don't think baseball is about to step in and stop this epidemic that they seem to have going on where pitchers are putting whatever lotion and potion they can put on the baseball so that these things move in a wacky way that makes it even more difficult to hit already. I mean, they're hurling it. The spin rate's increasing and increasing and increasing, and these fastballs are now all of a sudden starting to move. So yeah, it's difficult for Jared Kelnick. No doubt about it. Maybe he goes down to the minors and he's able to refine himself, but it's hard to imagine that that's going to be something that takes place overnight. And we just heard when Shannon Dreyer joined us this morning, that there is this sense that it's not just his approach at the plate that needs work. It's also just an ability to handle his frustrations when he fails. It's the first time, as 21 years old, that he's probably ever failed in his athletic career. After less than 100 at-bats at the AA level, after, what, five games at the AAA level? So, I mean, there are reasons that you could take a look at Kelnick, and I don't think that all is lost with him. All I am saying is that I thought that by the end of the year, we would feel closer next season to potentially seeing this team in a situation where we've been waiting to see them, which is at the very least 
uh, uh, relevant and competitive. And it just doesn't feel that way right now. It feels like I, you, we all need to wait for the next prospect to come up. And hopefully that guy works out. Cal Raleigh, bring him up. I don't care. Bring him up. Noel V. Marte, we jumped from 61 to 19 in the Baseball America prospect rankings. That's something. Bring him up. Until I see another young prospect up, for me, it's just going to be tough to sit and watch this team admirably tread water, but tread water. Run differential is one of the worst in the American League. Odds are that things are probably going to fall back to earth. And they deserve a lot of credit for being able to fight through it the way that they are. And I'm not expecting them or demanding that they contend this year. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want it to sound like that either. All I am saying is it is a massive bummer for all of us right now because it does feel like the idea of this team contending with Kelnick going down back to the minors, it just feels further away. I'm Paul Galan. It's the Paul Galan Show. 710-710 is how you text in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You could tweet me as well. Akalon says, how much will Jared Kelnick's demotion affect the Mariners' timeline, uh, b- rebuild timeline? Bunch of responses on Twitter. <laughs> See Mike Spinmove responds, it was impossible for Kelnick to focus once Pete told him to prioritize not turning the ball over. That's a fantastic tweet. That's to do with Russell Wilson. M's Rangers daddy says, oh, that's funny, that's accurate, None. They weren't supposed to contend this year. Yet, with and without him, Kelnick, they are only one game under five hundred. He can still bounce back this year and contribute next year when they should really start contending. Yeah, he can come back this year. No doubt about it. I I guess now I'm at the point where I was expecting to see more than just the occasional glimpse of potential stardom from Kelnick to now, okay, can he hit? For average. It's a letdown. And it's okay to feel let down. And I wouldn't put this on Kelnick. Honestly, I'm not even I'm not even necessarily putting this on the Mariners. I mean, they have gone through a circumstance over the last calendar year that the entirety of the sport has gone through too. And they just happen to be in this weird spot where they needed a minor league season to season these guys a little bit more. Instead, last year was basically a waste. The progress from last year to this year, probably not that much. <laughs> to the point where uh, there's a part of me that kind of wishes I saw a little more Kelnick last year just so he could get a little extra seasoning then and have that seasoning for when he finally came up this year. Alas. That's where I'm at. Where are you at? 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Dude, it's June 8th. Let's just see what transpires by the end of August. You are so knee-jerk reaction. Yes. Not denying that. I am knee-jerk reaction. In this moment right now, what? Should, should we be emotionless about this guy getting sent down? It stinks. We're allowed to feel it. You don't have to keep it contained in yourself and say, oh, well, the process. The process is going to get us there. Patience is overrated. We're sports fans. You want to see things turn around. 710-710 is how you text in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. One person is saying, I agree that the rebuild has proved to be a failure. That's not what I'm saying here either. Things are just delayed. It's like you're pushing 2022 back to 2023, and you'd already pushed 2021 back to 2022. That's, that's where we're at right now. And I'm sure that some of these guys are actually going to come up. Kalnick can figure these things out. 
some of these other players can eventually come up and look better. I don't know about Evan White, but right now you have a core of young players that you know, at least wishfully, are going to be here for you down the road because you signed Evan White to that contract and you feel really good about the American League Rookie of the Year and Kyle Lewis and Kelnick has had all this hype attached to him. And right now, none of them are on the field for you. One because of injury, one because of injury, but also because he's been struggling, and the other because he's been struggling. So it just feels like it's further away. Sure, things can change by the end of the year, but I'm supposed to say, oh, well, it'll be fine. It's going to change. It's going to change. It could, but going to? Nah. Don't try to sell me on that. At least just yet. It's the Paul Gallant Show. I'm overreactive, Paul. 710-710 is how you text it on the Mac and Dax Brewing Company text line. You could send in a tweet as well, at Gallant Says. In about five minutes, you can call in, 206-421-3776. And at 1045, you get to pick what I talk about, like a sports superstar who needs his superstar status revoked, why I don't think baseball is going to do anything about that sticky ball epidemic, and why today might be the beginning of the end for one of the best runs in sports that we've seen over the last 30 years. But right now, it's 10-10. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? Good morning, afternoon, Paul Gallant. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Good. Well, uh, the moment finally came yesterday... And 76 players, including one Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, were actually at Seahawks OTAs yesterday. Are you pumped? It's good to hear that. <laughs> because, yes, after hearing and talking about the Mariners who are not here right now, yeah, I, I, I was getting a little bit nervous just about more of the installation of this offense. It's, it's going to be difficult. I know Russell Wilson's a pro Pete Carroll's been doing this forever. Uh, believe me, I understand all of those things. But let's not act like there's not work to be done. Speaking of that, Brady Henderson was on with Wyman and Bob yesterday. And, um, yeah, he pointed out the fact that this is really going to be the first time we've seen this big of an offensive overhaul under Pete Carroll. Is maybe heightened a little bit when you are installing a new offense like they are. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it's a bigger deal for – you know, the offensive guys who are learning what – we don't really know exactly what that system is going to look like. But from what I understand, it, it, I mean, they are, they are going all in on, on the, uh, the Waldron system. And I, I don't think it's going to be like it was, you know, three years ago when they hired Brian, Brian Schottenheimer. And they basically made Schottenheimer adopt most of what they were already doing. Last night I started to go on one of these – Deep, way too deep dives, Mora, to determine how much of an impact a new offensive coordinator has on a good quarterback in the next year. So hopefully this will all be together by tomorrow because, as always, I made the formula to get there way too complicated. But when you hear that, it's a rookie offensive coordinator installing a new offense. I am not necessarily skeptical, but I just think that there is a reason that all of these guys needed to be there at OTAs, and I really hope that Shane Waldron is up for the task, too. Because, yes, while I have some frustration with Russell Wilson and the veterans not being there at the beginning because of this new offensive installation, 
I trust that they will be able to pick up whatever is presented to them. They just need it presented to them in a good manner. And do not underestimate the power of bad coaching. It exists all over this league. Very true. All right, the Mariners open up a a three-game set in Detroit against the Tigers today. So this is why I wanted Jared Kelnick to play a little bit longer. The Tigers stink, and I know they swept you earlier this year. Still, if if I were the Mariners, I think I would have let him close out the road trip. You had the off day, right? What would he have been able to do against Detroit? They're not a very good baseball team. At the very least, you have to think that there's a potential that he wakes up there. But at the same time, look, I understand their process. I just know how I would have operated. That team stinks. Let Kelnick feast, hopefully. And if he can't, okay, then you send him down. The off day maybe would have been good for him. Hopefully, we will see Marco Gonzalez pitch longer than he was allowed to pitch in his first game back. He looked filthy. He really looked good in those four innings of work. I mean, some of the pitches that he he was throwing were absolutely nasty. So, I'm hoping that we, at the very least, get to see Marco Gonzalez. I don't know. Pitch into the seventh inning. Yusei Kikuchi style. That would be a huge relief, getting him back last week and seeing him pitch like that. Uh, well, it was another one of those. We, what we were we were down on Monday, and then yeah. when did he pitch? Tuesday or Wednesday? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. The roller coaster ride continues. But I know he, he was a high point of it, so hopefully he'll be that again this next time out. Do you like a roller? Co- do you like roller coasters? I do. I wish I did. You don't? I, I wish I hadn't seen Final Destination. You know that movie? Oh my God. The movie with the roller coaster crash. Yeah, but it's a ridiculous. Well, there are all kinds of things happen in that movie. You, also, you could be killed cooking. So, I mean, do you not cook anymore? Uh, I stay away. I, you know what? I'm very, very, <laughs> very scared because of that franchise of the garbage disposal in the sink. Very scared of it. I always look at it when I when when I when when I am like reaching for something that's in it. I always look at the switch as if something magical is just going to turn it on, and then all of a sudden I'm going to be uh, Stumpy the Pirate with uh, no right hand anymore. <laughs> That's hilarious. Laura Dooley, everybody. What's Trending brought to you by King's Heating and Air every morning at 1010. This is the Paul Gallant Show. I'm Paul Gallant. You can watch it, 710sports.com slash video. You can also tune in on your 710 app or listen on your smart speaker. Okay, guys, 206 206- 421-3776. That is how you call in. Today's question of the day. How much will Jared Kelnick's demotion affect the Mariners' rebuild timeline? You get to answer that next. It's time for you to be heard. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Text in 710-710. Mac Jack's Brewing Company text line. The Tigers no hit us. They're obviously elite. You just said Detroit just swept you, so you tell me who stinks. Yes, I know. Believe me, I know, but... I I guess I was just holding out hope that Kelnick was still going to be able to figure it out. And I think that the Mariners were too. Because this does, I think, put a pause on the way that things seemed to be trending. Because you're thinking now, once Kelnick comes up, oh, okay, well, the other young players are right around the corner. Maybe eventually by the end of the year, you see Cal Raleigh. Or Julio Rodriguez. Maybe that's wishful thinking on the latter side of it. And now you're going to be sitting back and you're going to be watching some players that might be here in, in down the road. But that's 
that's why I'm looking at it from this perspective. It, it feels outside of Ty France in the lineup. I'm not talking about the pitching. The pitching actually seems to be in pretty good shape. But in the lineup right now, the only guy that I feel like is definitively going to be here for the foreseeable future is Ty France. And the rest, it's it's there's this idea of well, what am I what am I watching for? And I know that sounds disrespectful to some of the other players, and I, I don't I don't necessarily want it to feel that way because JP Crawford's actually been playing really well this year, so I think you could potentially put Crawford into that conversation. But you want to watch because you want to watch these young players develop into something special down the road. And right now, I feel like the guys that we're seeing could easily be replaced by the end of the year or next year. And Kelnick was one of those guys where you could say, all right, well, this guy, every single night that he's at the plate, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing, pay total attention to the television, and see what he's able to do. So it's just going to be a different experience, I think, for the rest of the year. That's my biggest frustration. Facts don't care about your feelings, Paul. Yes, feelings also don't care about facts because they're irrational, and we're allowed to have them. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, text line. Kelnick goes down for 10 to 15 games, comes back, and off he goes. I don't think it's going to be that short. I think it'll be much, much longer than 10 to 15 games. I would imagine a couple of months. Maybe around the trade deadline, after the trade deadline, something like that. Because I'm assuming that Jerry DePoto is going to make some moves around the deadline. I don't know who. But I think around that time, towards the end of the season, that's probably when you bring him back up. It's not just that he needs to, I think, figure out what he's no longer doing at the plate. He's got to calm himself. It's easier said than done. He's 21 and he's experiencing failure as an athlete for the first time. I know a lot of people are judging him for that, and I get it. It's, it's not the best look, throwing a temper tantrum when when you miss out on things, but I don't think I'll, I don't think that Many of us, with the wisdom of, of hindsight, if we were to put ourselves back in that spot, would have been that different. I know, it, at least from my perspective, not that I ever would have been good, but as someone who gets very upset with himself when he screws up, I would not have handled it well. And that's something that over time, I have had to learn how to not be super angry with yourself for something that you feel like it's in your control when it maybe in reality isn't. I mean, baseball is a sport where you're going to fail a lot. 710-710, the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. I'm good with waiting. He is not Edgar Martinez. He is not Ken Griffey Jr. Maybe someone else is. I hope that you're not coming to that conclusion already on him. I mean, he's 21, and he has not had a lot of seasoning past, really, just single A, right? Double A. Less than 100 at-bats, AAA, five games. Less than 100 at-bats at the major league level. Jury's still out. I can understand, though, why you might be a little bit frustrated. Okay, guys. Something really quickly I wanted to talk about. And this just intrigues me. So, Alabama has extended head coach Nick Saban. He's going to coach until he is 77 years old. In 2028, he is only a month younger than Pete Carroll. Turned 70 on Halloween, if I'm not mistaken. Nick Saban has essentially a lifetime contract at Alabama. 
I don't think that's necessarily true with Pete Carroll here with the Seahawks. Obviously, he has a real contract, and we'll see how he feels about continuing to coach. But can anyone see Pete Carroll not coaching at age 77 just based off of the vigor that he walks up and down the sidelines with that he speaks with us? I think he's going to coach the Seahawks as long as he wants to coach. And on one hand, that's good because I think he still has the ability to connect with young players. He's maintained consistency, too, during the most competitive era ever of football. But on the other hand, good isn't quite great. And, and I do wonder, Pete, I think, is going to be here for quite some time. I don't think that after a successful season next year that all of a sudden those upstairs in the Seahawks organization, Jody Allen and company, are going to be looking down and saying, oh, well, it's time to start thinking about alternatives. But I'm curious as to at what point do you think that ownership would say, we can do better than this? Would it take Russell Wilson forcing his way out of town? A single losing season? It's weird. I, I, I really can't imagine a year of Seahawks football without Pete Carroll as the head coach. Like, I can't imagine who would come in and do a better job. I really can't. But I'm curious as to if things get to that point. Because in the NFL, it's just a little bit different. In college, when you're someone like Nick Saban and you have dominated college football, you got that gig for life. It's a little different here. And it does feel like there are some changes potentially on the horizon. I don't think the Seahawks should capitulate to some of the things that Russell Wilson may or may not be thinking about down the road. But I was just intrigued by that. He's going to be coaching when he's 77 years old. Just think about that. And by the way, Nick Saban does not look very old. Nick Saban looks extremely young. I would have guessed late 50s when I saw Nick Saban and a picture of him today. He looks like he's getting younger over time. What is that? Benjamin Button syndrome? Is that a real thing? I don't know. Didn't watch the movie. Yes, because Jennifer Lopez exists. Oh, that's a great point, Morris. Really. <laughs> it's a real thing. Wow, gosh. Yeah. Making us all look bad, J-Lo. Thank you very much for that. This is the Paul Galan Show, 710 ESPN Seattle, 206-421-3776 is how you call in. Robin in Kingston, we'll get back to you at 1045. But up next, the great and powerful Graz joins the program. What does Jared Kelnick's demotion mean for the Mariners' rebuild? We'll talk about that next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail. With Paul Gallant. No failing here because I am joined by the great and powerful Graz, thanks to our friends at Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Graz, how are you now? Uh, Pretty good, bud. Pretty good. How you doing? I am hanging in there. I am bummed out about the idea of the Mariners' being, I don't know, more competitive next season. It feels like yeah. with Kelnick and his struggles and with Evan White and his struggles and his injury and Kyle Lewis and his injury too, it feels like maybe the 2021 that was pushed back to 2022 by those up top with the Mariners might be getting pushed back to 2023. I don't really hold that against them, Gros, but I am bummed out. I hear you. I mean, this year, you know, you thought there, there may have been a chance to do something and, and maybe maybe you get a little good luck for the first time in 20 years and some of your young guys hit and everyone doesn't get hurt. And in August, you're making a deal or two to to contend uh, down the stretch. And instead, uh, absolutely none of that happens. And um, it's the Kelnick thing is not as worrisome, obviously, as the Kyle Lewis thing. Um, 
that, that's that that's the that's the real bad news. But right. I thought it was interesting watching Jerry Depoto tap dance today uh, <laughs> about about talking about you know sending Kelnick down, which you know was pretty obvious to everyone. They had to do it, right? I mean, you can't leave him up there and let him continue to struggle the way that he was. Not just because he wasn't getting any hits and he was striking out and he might have lost his approach, but he was getting so ticked off after every single one of these at-bats. And that's something I feel like they're going to try to work on him with down in Tacoma. Well, that's the sort of stuff that really makes you wince because that's the clear sign that, that, that can't be hidden that it's getting to him. And that, that this is now in his head, that this is, this is a problem, this is something that's going to have to be dealt with. And look, that's what happens in the major leagues, obviously. But, um, you know, it was clearly in his head, and, and um, you know, he was hitting 096, and, which is embarrassing. I mean, you know, for a guy who, this is the other thing that, that you got to keep in mind, especially with top prospects, they, they basically have not failed until they get to the major league level, and then it can be a whopper. And uh, look, I, I, I see all these people tweeting out, well, look at what Mike Trout did, and look at what Ken Griffey Jr. did. I understand that's what they did, but there's a thousand other players, I can give you an example, who started slowly and, and didn't, didn't yeah. do well. So that's not a good example to flush out there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's disappointing, and um, I think they were a little late on it, and we'll see if it, if it impacts him. He's got some, you know, he did hit it well in Tacoma, and, and you know, the, nothing's stopping him from going down, getting everything together, or bouncing back, and, and then just cruising when he comes back up here. This is probably more a philosophical question, but if you see a player struggling, do you want them to have composure afterwards, or do you like, just as a sports fan, sitting back and watching to see that they are upset with what has taken place. I think you want them upset, but I mean, you got to consider the sport and the circumstance. Uh, you know, we always say in baseball that, you know, if you, you're struggling, it doesn't help to grip the bat tighter. Right. It doesn't, doesn't help to swing harder and faster, you know, and things like that. So, you know, it can really work against you at time, but you, you certainly don't want guys just, you know, sprouting platitudes and, and saying <laughs> garbage when, you know, I'll be fine, you know, when they're 0 for 30. Right and and laughing and having being like uh, being like a, the Jeremy Giambi character in Moneyball and dancing after losing, you know that sort of thing. So you know you, you don't want that. There's a line to be to be walked there for sure. But um, I think you know probably viscerally you like guys being upset that they're not doing well. I do too, but it, it is weird. You know, quarterbacks you expect them to be cool and collected. I guess with a ba- yeah. baseball batter, you expect the same kind of deal. Graz, I, I can't help but think of this guy named Brock Osweiler, who I covered a long, long time ago. And he was not good as a player, but he was so cool, calm, and collected on the field. And on top of that, whenever he was questioned about his horrible play by anyone. Like, he, he, it felt like he was unflappable from that perspective. Clearly, though, it wasn't helping him out on the field in any way. Right. I mean, at times it does. There, there are times it doesn't. It's just... Uh, it's just I guess like everything else, it, it depends on the individual. But um, in the case of Kelnick, we'll see. I mean, this is the first time he's faced this kind of adversity. And, and uh, you know, he was hitting it very well in Tacoma. And, and you know, we'll see if he can, if he can just snap back and, and, and just, just ignore this. You know, sometimes guys can do that. You know, you, you know we're, we're seeing people pretend things aren't happening. And uh, we're not supposed to believe what we're seeing all the time these days. So, you know, maybe we can pretend this never happened. 
I wasn't called up beforehand. I didn't. I didn't hit 096. That never happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame though that that streak continues when he comes back up. Right. I mean, it's still going to be. Yeah, he in needs progress. to get some hits right away, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, come on. Let's like have him come up by under a different name, like uh, uh, Jason Kelnick right. or something like that, so that that streak doesn't continue. Uh, he is the Graz in the sports pit with me. Seven ten seven ten on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line is how you can text a question into the Graz, and a texter asks. This and it's more of a plea, Graz. Please tell us how the current struggles are different than Ackley, Clement, Montero. It feels familiar. Help him out. It, um, oh no. Well, I, I can help. I can help with Ackley for sure, because when Ackley came up, he hit the ball well, and by the end of his by the end of his rookie year, the, the stretch he was up here, uh, he was drawing comparisons from some broadcasters to a young Wade Boggs. Well, yeah, that was me. <laughs> uh, he, he just looked so ready, Paul. He looked so good. He looked right out of the shoot. This guy is. This guy was a good draft pick, and this guy is going to step right up and play big. And um, he did not. You know, he did not. It was the, the, really, in, in some ways, the best year he ever had was was you know his first full year here. So it, it does. It, it feels familiar. The, the difference is they're getting different coaching. Uh, you know the organization is set up to 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 produce prospects and and uh, you know we'll see if it's set up to nurture them. I mean that's it's development it, it's it's scouting and development and and you know the scouting is is set. I mean we see everyone saying that the Mariners' talent level is is top twenty five. Their drafting has been impeccable. Now it's a question of their development and um, this, this he's coming from a different different background in that sense and it's different coaching so it's different front office so it's different. Don't 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 go back to those places, those dark dark places. There are so many of in the Mariners' last twenty years. It doesn't do you or me or anyone any good. You got to start charging for uh, these therapy dues on the Dare to Dream Express. <laughs> That's how we get back on, baby. We got to talk to the Graz. I'm not sure how familiar Graz you are with this story that involves the biggest scandal, I guess, in baseball in one year. Because <laughs> that's what it seems like we always have a big scandal <laughs> in baseball every single year. But apparently. Pitchers are putting potions all over these baseballs. Oh, yeah. And there is an interesting piece in Sports Illustrated where there's goo that opponents saw and the fingerprints were in the goo of these pitchers who pitched it. One ball was found to be so sticky when an opponent tried to pull the glue off of it. Three inches of seams in the baseball came with it. So this piece basically says 80 to 90% of pitchers are using this in some capacity. And that baseball is going to try to crack down on this. But how does baseball crack down on doctored baseballs when it feels like it's such a big part of the game now? Um, by throwing every single baseball that, you, that seems to be doctored out and by getting rid of those pitchers. No wonder guys can't hit. No wonder everyone's striking out all the time. I, I read the thing cover to cover in Sports Illustrated and just, you know, just uh, my, my line was baseball just can't get it right. I mean... You know, and, and then to say, well, we're going to crack down here in a couple of days. Well, what are you waiting for? Yeah, do it now. I mean, why say anything? Why not just do it? And how yes. does it get to the point where it's got to be a Sports Illustrated investigation to point it out to everyone? And then, you know, I mean, I, I love my, my guys, Dave Sims and Mike Blowers, but the day this story comes out, or the day after that, that Alex Cole guy, the 34-year-old pitcher for the Angels, was pitching against the Mariners, and he had four, I think, perfect innings. And, and Blowers and, and Dave are going on about how all of a sudden, he's got this this seeing eye sinker, and look at all that movement he's getting on it. How, how did this guy turn it around like this? And I'm like, it's he's cheating. <laughs> we just read about it at SI. He's cheating for crying out loud. So, 
I, I, I just shake my head that, that baseball allows these things to happen and then, and then is, is on the defensive and reacting to it. But, but start throwing balls and players out is what you do. And, and I mean, there have been, you know, they talk about spinning the baseball. And we've seen some, some pretty remarkable a, yeah. you know, aspects of that. If you watch baseball this year, it can't be that hard to figure out when, when you should take a look at a ball. He is the Graz. Graz, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Sounds great, brother. I'm right there with the Graz when it comes to that. But I don't know what baseball can do. I don't think they have a whole lot of teeth. Up next, we'll continue to talk about what Kelnick's send-down means for the Mariners' rebuild. And you get to pick the topic, Akalon says on Twitter, vote now. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. The most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710 is how you text it. You call in 206-421-3776. We're going to go to a familiar friend in just a moment. But, once again, the question of the day. How much is Kelnick's demotion going to affect the Mariners' rebuild timeline? Here's how I think it affects it. I feel like right now, the idea of pushing 2021 back to 2022, which you sort of had to do because of the pandemic, is now going to become 2022 to 2023. Feels like next year is going to be one of those seasons where, okay, you start to see all the young players and maybe they are able to put it all together. But I was probably a little bit too assuming and thinking that Kelnick was going to be able to come up and hit right away. I fell for the hype. Not to say that he's ruined. I think he goes down. I think he'll have a couple of months in Tacoma, and we'll see him back up again. Hopefully he's got a different demeanor. Hopefully he's going to be able to handle those failures. He needs to learn out to do that, and he's also going to need to learn how to hit some of those breaking pitches or those fastballs that are being thrown high and inside on him. So these are the things that he's going to have to work on. To me, it, it, it's more just a bummer. It just This is not necessarily an indictment on the Mariners' rebuild. Or an indictment on Kelnick. It is more just from a watching experience with Kyle Lewis out and with Evan White injured and not playing well and with Kelnick now back in the minors, it just feels like things are far away. It's just Ty France and J.P. Crawford that you might see down the road and you don't know the futures of Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Seeger. The lineup, just lots of questions about it. Pitching's got some good things in it, and look, they are holding their own somehow record-wise this year despite a negative run differential. 206-421-3776. Do we we allow Robin and Kingston back after his his words against Felix Hernandez? Robin, you you may be on thin ice with the listeners, but I always enjoy having you on. What's going on? Hey, Paul. Thanks. I I want to just share some some differences. The major difference that I have with you is – um, that I think this is a very good team, and I'm really excited about it. I think they're going to hover around 500 this year, okay, um, be competitive next. Um, the farm, the talent goes up and down this year. There's a heavy use of the injured list. Uh, the team has to see how people, how their prospects perform at the major league level. And then next year, okay, there's going to be more talent, uh, because next year they're well, going to right? grab a, a, a real number one pitcher, and also they're going to grab a position player slant slugger. Well, slugger. Are, are, you, so are you sure about that? I think everything's that. going up. Hang, 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 hang on a second, Robin. First off, okay, so this year, you, you said the team's really good. They're not really good based off of the lineup. Like they, they, they just, no, no, they no. no. Can't I, be. 
I said they're good. They're good. Okay. They're going to be really good next year. Are they even good, though? I mean, with that lineup yes. and the way that they are hitting, which is like one of the worst in baseball, I, I, I don't know that I can say that. I can say, look, they're playing above their level of hitting significantly. And I, but I don't know that I can call this a good baseball team, especially when you are what your record is and you are, you know, a game under 500 right now, despite that negative run differential. Paul, I saw four games lost by the catching. I saw four games lost by the guy who they're trying to say as, as a closer. Right, and then they were just good teams the, have good closers and good catchers and stuff like that. They're, this is a good team. Okay. And, and they're testing things out, but Regarding Kalanick, what I, I, I saw something very much like this in watching the Red Sox with a player named Raphael Devers who came up a little bit younger, and he, and he had a bad attitude. You still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Okay, I started. Do you think Kalanick has that bad attitude? Is that where you're going with Devers? Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. Jared Kalanick, okay, offended every Norman baseball and, and it can be best epitomized by him saying that he actually felt last year he could help the Mariners in the playoffs. He has proven that to be not correct. But what's and, wrong with and, someone saying and, that? He's young, and he's, he's obviously going to have a bit of an ego attached to him. This is the guy that we know to be exceptionally confident, Robin. Exactly. But Service and DePoto, having played and now doing management in, the, in Major League Baseball, understand this enthusiasm and how it can be counterproductive. And they, I'm sure, tried to get this message to him, and it just wasn't clicking. So now he has the message. But now he's learned so it. My right. Point of view is, so my, my point of view is, Paul, let him learn, let him grow, and just give him some love, welcome him back, and cheer him on when he comes back. Because I think he will be back. I think he's not as good as, as people think but I think he's going to be a good Major League Baseball player. As always, appreciate the phone call, Robin. 206-421-3776. I think he will be back. You just got to be patient, and it's hard to be patient. That's why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling today. Paul, stop beating the dead horse. Eh, It's a fair dead horse to beat right now. This is how I vent to you, my friends. All right, you guys get to pick the topic that I talk about at 1045. We put this poll up on Twitter usually about 930 or so every single morning. And you got to pick between a superstar in sports who needed his superstar status revoked, Lethal Weapon 2 style, why I don't think baseball is going to do anything about their sticky ball epidemic as well. But instead, you guys chose to talk about the end. The end of potentially one of the Seahawks' rivals, as we know them. The Green Bay Packers have been one of the most successful teams in the NFL over the last just about 30 years. I think there is a strong case that even though they only have two Super Bowls to their name, three Super Bowl appearances over that stretch, that this is, from 1992 through this past season, unprecedented as far as just wins and losses. They have had four losing seasons over that stretch. That is simply incredible. I mean, even the New England Patriots, they had their years in the 1990s where they were floundering a bit until the very end. But the Packers have been the most consistent team in the NFL over the last 30 years. I don't think you could deny that. You had Brett Favre at first, starting in 92, and then you have Aaron Rodgers for the second half of that. Aaron Rodgers did not show up for Packers minicamp today. I do not think it is a foregone conclusion that Aaron Rodgers is gone. I do not. I do feel like there is definitely 
a slight chance that he ends up coming back to the Green Bay Packers. But it would be something else to see all of a sudden the Green Bay Packers go in another direction. And I think that's what they have to tell themselves. Now, personally, I would love to see them decide, you know what, you know, we're, we're done with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to move on to Jordan Love. I think we all would. But if you are the Green Bay Packers right now and you have looked at what you have been able to do over the last 30 years with two quarterbacks, two, just think about how insane that is. And you're all of a sudden in this situation where you have to do something to keep things going. You know what you have to do. You could talk about how your organization has always been able to maintain and, and, and figure things out. There is one commonality from 1992 through 2021. It's that you've always had a great quarterback. Pretty much my entire lifetime. So, wise up here. If there is something that you can do right now to get Aaron Rodgers back in the fold, you do it. But I'm hoping they don't. Because it would be very nice to see that from 1992 through 2021, that was the Packers. And here lie these Green Bay Packers. Put a little grave there. I'm Paul Gallant. Thanks for so much for tuning in to today's Paul Gallant Show. Big thanks to the Gras who stopped by in the sports pit. Big thanks to Maura Dooley, who produces this thing every single day. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy is next.